0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Latina Life with Jen and Malena. I am super excited about today's super Latina, Flor Martinez. She's an entrepreneur, an act, a vocal activist for migrant farm workers, and also the founder of Celebration Nation Foundation. Flor, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh no, thank Welcome.
1: You. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for having me. I'm excited uh, to talk to you guys a little bit more about myself and, uh, you know, what what we're doing and what we're trying to do and just where I come from. And um, yeah, thank you for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it.
2: Oh my God. Absolutely. So let's just jump right into it because um, you have an amazing story uh, for, cause you're young. I mean, I am just so blown by what mm-hmm. I've heard so far, but let's just get right into it. Um, tell us about your journey here to California. Cause I know that, that um, you weren't born and raised here. So Tell us, tell us how how you how
1: you got got here. Yeah, so when I was three years old, um, I crossed the border with my parents and my younger sister, who was one year old at the time, uh, and we come from Jalisco, Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, and we just you know, the first time we landed was in Los Angeles, and we migrated our way to San Jose, where I reside now, where I do business now, and uh, where the headquarters of Celebration Nation is. Um, and that's that's where <laughs> that's how I got here.
2: And then from there, though, like um, once you got here, tell us about like that journey, because obviously that journey wasn't easy. You came to, you know, how it must have been some type of culture shock for you.
1: You were three, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was three. So in a way, I feel like um, I grew up in the United States. I learned, you know, um, the way that the U.S. taught me, right? The educational system and everything. And I noticed, I mean, growing up, I noticed a few flaws in the system and in the way we were being taught. Um, for example, I mean, my mom is a big advocate uh, for like students' rights. You know, uh, she noticed that there was um, a lot of students, uh, Brown students being put into special ed. And she, she was noticing that, well, you know, the only thing they're, they're kind of struggling with is their English. Uh, why are you putting them in a whole different segment of the school? <laughs> system and the mothers you know they didn't speak english so they weren't you know they weren't informed on what was going on and and i saw her advocate for these students these families um and it was incredible uh just because she she saw the flaws in the system too and so i had a good guidance in that and uh yeah that's just kind of how i mean i grew up here i feel like i am americanized but i'm never going to lose touch of where i came from and my roots um and i'm you know every day i'm learning how to get closer to my roots and just um you know, try to, to be the best version of myself from where I come from and what I've learned here in the United States. Um, but it's definitely a mix of both worlds, and um, I'm happy to be here.
0: I have to say, Malia, um, I'm going to jump in really quickly. Yeah. Like, I, I learned about Floor's story on social media, actually. And it was um, around the time, obviously, the Trump administration, there was a lot of um, you know racist incidents happening against our latinos and our latinas um you know the horrible images we were seeing of you know children in cages the horrible conditions we we're seeing in regards to like the farm workers and i just kept seeing this young woman like speaking out and reaching out to all the followers and all these people like your community kept getting larger and larger and larger and i was just so blown away and like i said i admire you because you were not worried about, you know, speaking out. You were very open about who you were, what your status was. I mean, I was worried for you, mm-hmm. but I was worried. I'm like, okay, I hope nothing's happening. I hope everyone's like, you know, she's safe and everything. Um, or do you ever get worried about being, you know, too vocal and, you know, what was that time like for you when you were speaking out during that time?
1: um so I mean I've I started telling my testimony and going to protests since I was 12 years old right and um 11 12 years old and I was always very vocal Uh, and then when the Trump administration did come into office I was advised by my mentors so you know to get down a notch because I am like you mentioned very vocal um and then they had the same concerns and um I didn't it didn't stop me it just kind of it helped me kind of start um, shifting over to different way of resistance, which is Mm -hmm. like uplifting and empowering our communities through, for example, the nonprofit, correct? And uh, Mm -hmm. to where you're still doing the work, you're still breaking the system, you're still doing it from the inside. but maybe not necessarily, you know, being out there and you know protesting and um, with the megaphone, and you get people driving by that have different immigration views, you know, looking at you bad or making threats, and and you know, yeah, I mean, I've gotten threats, and um, like even my loved ones have, you know, always wondered, hey Flo, do you know, um, you know, how you, what are you doing, right? <laughs> You're putting yourself at risk, and it's like you know, the fear comes from, the fear. I'm fearless about it, right? Um, I think, cause at a very young age, I had to put my fear aside, cause I saw the fear in my parents' eyes, and I saw the fear in the community, and I just said, why are we, why are we like this, right? Why are we doing this? Why are, why are we accepting this? And why are we are allowing ourselves to be treated like this? And I said, you know what? I'd rather be um, fearless and, and stand up for what I believe in, then stay quiet and like, just let it build up. And then just, you know, it's not me. And I have all this anger towards the system and it's a, you know, I was, I had, it's a way for me to get it out, right. Protesting and, you know, bringing awareness. Right. And, um, you know, luckily I've been able to put that energy, um, towards this non-organization, this nonprofit that we've been able to build as a community Um, because the energy never stopped even through the Trump administration. Um, I just had to find different ways to stay vocal and continue the mission and continue getting the word out Um, because even especially through that administration, our community was definitely struggling and the racism was only getting worse towards our community. And it was just, I mean, it brought a lot of light towards a lot of our issues, um, and it was just, there's no way to stop it, right? They want us to be fearful. And that's the last thing we need to be. The moment we start getting out there and getting out of the shadows is the moment we're going to start, you know, uniting as one and really starting a revolution and becoming the revolution and just, you know, doing it for the future of our communities and for ourselves and for our parents who are the original dreamers. Oh my gosh, point, point, point. <laughs> I know, I'm like, I don't even know like
2: what to ask here, wow. But at 11 and 12, you said you went to your first protest at elect. 12 years old, we'll say 12 years old. Who took you to that and what was the
1: cause? So it was my mom. She actually took me to go um, tell my testimony in front of, uh, you know, the news. uh, The news, it was an event and... I had, I had multiple times, <laughs> I had multiple times had to translate for her sometimes because even when she had broken English, she would still stand up on those podiums at the school board meetings, um, at bigger, like unified school district meetings. And, um, you know, with a broken English, she would speak on behalf of all these women that had no English. And, and I would sometimes have to step in and translate. And that started giving me that courage and the activism. And, um, you know ever since then I just started being more vocal and putting my face out on the news I said you know what someone has to represent us you know and if it has to be me then it's going to be me but I'd rather do this and you know put my face out there um put myself out there than just stand back and let all this happen um because it's just you know like if I don't like something we got to do something about it you know and I just right. I wanted to be that person and because um, if not us who and if not now when you know, I always say that because it's
0: so true. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and you are making an impact, making an impact with, um, raising awareness in regards to the farm workers condition. I know you've had your own experience actually working out in the fields. What was that like for you? How old were you? And and what, tell us about the experience.
1: Yeah. So I was about 14, 15 years old. Um, we were picking grapes in the fields of Gilroy like Santa Cruz Monterey area Mm -hmm. and um, I just remember we sometimes would have to wake up in the middle of the night to go work because it was so hot during the day and then you know when you get there um they don't give you any type of protective gear you have to come in your own clothing and then you can tell like that there's pesticides in the air you know because your throat starts hurting and your eyes start getting watery and um Even just talking while you're working, like you can tell that something's entering your body and it just feels really odd. And um, I just remember, you know, there was times where we had a couple of people that like passed out for... through different situations because we would have to cut these grapevines with uh, these clippers and they wouldn't supply us with gloves right and we had to bring our own clippers from home um, so they weren't you know safety standard right or anything and there was a time where you know someone cut themselves and they fainted and there was another time when they someone faded from dehydration and these are things I'm seeing at like you know a really young age and then so when I saw these fires break out in 2020 um, I started you know I, I, I went back in time and I remember the heat and I just remember how uncomfortable it was and how hot it was and um, and it was incredibly hot during this time in 2020 where uh, where this started happening. It was a week before the start the fire started. So it was back to back where I you know shared my frustration to my socials. First I was saying it's way too hot out there, you know, and then I was saying why is it you know out there in the smoke and they're not getting paid, you know, any essential pay or any hazard pay. Um, and then they're definitely not being protected, you know. They're not. They don't give them any any smoke masks or even water during this heat. And then I was just, like, you know, I shared my frustrations to my socials. I was telling people to go pick their own food, and um, you know, all of that went viral. And you know, we saw that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we the pictures and videos, and um, you know, we we were like, well, you know, people started asking like, how can we get involved? What can we do? You know, so I, you know, we had this nonprofit ready, and I said, well, let's get a goal of like five thousand dollars. Um, this helps some Salina salinas farm workers were are around the corner um from where i live and so um that quickly turned from five thousand to five hundred thousand dollars you know thanks to the community wow. and ever since then we haven't stopped we're out you know giving food to farm workers every weekend you know two events in a day at this point you know we just had have- this Saturday, the couple of days ago, we, we were in Oxnard and Salinas, you know, they're in the North California and South California. Um, but because of the, you know, that seed funding, I would call it, we were able to really expand and do something with it and not just completely say, okay, let's go through all this, all this funding into a bunch of um, masks when it was actually you no, know, I would say this now. They actually, uh, when we went and asked them if they wanted anything besides masks, like you know maybe I don't know, like a, a nice water bottle or some boots, right? And they said no. You know, our kids actually need their school supplies because we're starting online learning. And um, I remember, you know, I also showed up to my socials, and we were able to split most of that funding for half and half, and we distributed over twelve thousand backpacks filled with school supplies and over fifteen thousand hazmat, like you know, smoke, dust, pesticide resistant mm-hmm. masks um and ever since then you know the funding kept coming and we just started now we have two warehouses one in San Jose and one in LA and now we cover uh most of 80 percent of Monterey County uh, um, in Ventura County and we're looking at you know expanding over to Central Valley very soon and it really all depends on how much support we get from the community this is very much community effort I'm a full-time volunteer and I do this um because this is just something that I feel like is meant for me to do um I feel like I this is I was given these tools and this knowledge and the resources to put these pieces together and do what I do best, um, organize and use it to the advantage of our people to really help elevate our communities. Because we we need more people that, you know, um, are really doing the groundwork and not just the groundwork, but the outreach work. Um, As you mentioned, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and I got that from my dad's side, you know, because when we came to America, um, he started his own business as a landscaper. And I just saw him always, you know, just, you know, being about the, you know, be your own boss, you don't have, you don't have to work for anybody, you can work for yourself, and you can hire your own people, and, you know, and it was really inspiring to watch, and then that showed me a lot about business, and I started, you know, I treat this nonprofit as a business, um, because that's the way we've been able to elevate as an entity, right, that's how we get corporate support, and government support, and community support, right, Um, and all because, you know, thanks to my, like, And thanks to my experience in business in event planning and organizing, Um, this didn't happen overnight. It was a lot of years of knowledge and it's just the perfect timing to be able to do something like this for the community. Uh, Now we have these partnerships with like DoorDash, Impossible Burger and No Kid Hungry. And um, we're able to do it because, you know, I was able to get this education that I needed and I, you know, use everything I got to put it back into our people, back into our community. so we can really get somewhere, you know, I think I think a lot of us are tired of the way our communities are being treated. And I think if we all throw a little bit, a pitch in the ways we can, um, we can really create change. And we think we need it more than ever through this pandemic, um, which is hurting a lot of our community. And they're still in the shadows. You still might not hear their stories as much as you hear other stories. And it's very sad. You know, it's sometimes, you know, I have to remember to, to set, take a step back and not let myself get, um, sometimes it's even hard allowing myself to get emotionally attached to some of these families um, Mm -hmm. because then I find myself really trying to like help them out like through their whole lives and then I have a whole bunch of other things that need to get done and um, but you know luckily I it's just sometimes an emotional toll but um, but it's worth it at the end of the day um, because you know a lot of them have kids and I know they see a lot of the work we do and they're the future and then so as long as we can inspire someone that's gonna you know create that change that we need um, I think I think we're getting somewhere here.
2: <laughs> wow, <laughs> like you are very <laughs> inspirational. I'm just like wow. So tell me something. As a kid, I mean, you were a kid when you were working in in the farms and stuff. Um, do people realize how many kids there are that
1: do this? Like that. I mean, I don't think people really know. Um. Yeah, I don't think people really know either. And the the crazy thing is, you don't have anybody out there really. Um, taking statistics the way they should. Um, You might get a few people that go and get data about who's in the field, how old are they, how long have they been there, um, Mm. who are they, right? Because for a lot of reasons, you know, that doesn't happen. And, um, but we have served so many young adults and even kids, you know, we have 10 year olds, you know, the legal age limit to do agricultural work is 10 years old in comparison Mm. to any other workforce, which is about 16 years old, yeah. Mm. So, you know, these kids are out there at 10, you know, and then this is their childhood they're kind of missing out on just to be able to help their parents keep food on the table just to help them survive. I mean, just yesterday, one of our volunteers, he's only about 12 years old, but he comes in volunteers all the time because we have a distribution in Salinas next to his house. And he was telling me how he lives in a room with his two brothers and his one sister and his two parents. And they share one bathroom with the family across the hall that's staying in another room, and this is a reality for a lot of these kids. And he's out there working with his parents and volunteering on the weekends with us, um, right? To help the community that he sees, you know, struggling. Which are his neighbors? We are, you know, which are his parents? Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, I just
2: think that that's really important. Just because, my God, like I, I just found out. I had no idea that that was going on. And so, with what you're, you know, telling me that. The age of ten, that they, they can go out and work in these fields, that they don't even get anything, any protection. Correct. So that is really astonishing. So what is it like, Jen? I guess do we go into the DACA? Like, let's talk about that portion of this because I mean, you cover so
0: much. Yeah, in I mean, your personal, you know, your personal journey in um, regards to your status, you know, as a DACA recipient, you know, how. How challenging is it? You know, what what did you face and, you know, how what happens now, now that you have it?
1: So I believe uh, DACA actually gave me the I think the the confidence to start my 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 businesses. I have three businesses and I feel like it gave me the courage to really go for it. Um, because then it was like, okay, well, I can continue it, right? As no one's gonna try to take that from me. And even then, I've always been about an entrepreneur. Um, but I didn't have to worry about getting an ITIN, I was given a social through DACA. I didn't have to worry about, you know, even getting from point A to point B because I, you know, DACA gave me a driver's license at the time when you know someone undocumented wouldn't be able to have a driver's license. And mm-hmm. then it gave me certain tools that most undocumented, all undocumented people don't get. You know, it really breaks my heart that even now, right now. You can't apply to DACA. So all these kids, you know, that are in the fields right now, or anybody that just graduated high school, they're not able to apply for certain things, and they don't have a social to be able to qualify for for certain assistance, and they have to work jobs that they sh- probably shouldn't be working, right? And um, all because they're not given this this opportunity to to take to get a chance at, at life, you know, in this country, um, which is what DACA gave me, and. I've never let that privilege. I got it. A, I call it a privilege because not everyone's able to become a, like a DACA recipient. Um, I've never let that blind me from, you know, looking at the bigger picture, like, hey, we're not done here. This is just crumbs to what we, with our communities, deserve. You know, our parents haven't received any type of relief or any type of, uh, you know, anything. And so, you know, they this are, these are crumbs. You know, having DACA is an advantage and it's a privilege, but it, we should, we need to fight for more, you know, where it's just a handful of us that are dreamers, you know, but there's 11 million plus undocumented people in the U.S. that are struggling and hiding in fear from deportation, that can't work a regular job, that are just Exploited every day, and whose, whose kids are you know struggling as well because if you can't if you can't afford to have a regular job. Um you know, your kids who you're trying to feed are struggling, you know, you end up having to live in these cramped spaces or, you know, end up having to live in locations that are not the safest or having to feed your kids, you know, um, shout out beans and rice. But sometimes, you know, that, you know, besides beans and rice, besides, you know, giving them pasta, or these sweets that are more affordable or like fast food that's more affordable than the nutrition food, nutrition of food that they deserve, that they need to nourish. Um, mm-hmm. you can't, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm hungry or if I'm not well to like, you know, like I, I can't think straight. Right. Um, totally. Right. Of course. And it starts there too. You know, I mean, even the food system, just trying to, we're out here trying to fight it and, and fight this hunger through our programs with farm workers. And even just that partnership with DoorDash that we haven't announced publicly, but we are now right now. Okay, just- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's <laughs> huge. it's huge um it's 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 helping us actually it's meant for the the la community um which is going to benefit from that that partnership Uh, we're super excited to help thousands of families in la every month um on top of our food bank for farm workers program uh, because we know we're food that food should be like um everyone should be able to get nutritional food right so everybody yeah especially the farm workers that are picking it. Why are they, why are they the ones, you know, with the most food insecurity rates when they're the ones mm-hmm. picking the food for the whole nation? It's just, it's not fair. And I mean, the least we could do is like try to feed them what, you know, have them enjoy the fruits of their labor.
0: hmm absolutely, absolutely. So I know you've got, oh, um, well, I'd love to let everybody know about um, the foundation, Celebration Nation Foundation, anyone can get involved you know, with this, be it volunteering, you know, with their time, donating um, goods, that sort of thing. Wondering what, what plans do you have for this year in regards to the foundation or any other projects that you're working on? Uh,
1: yeah, so we have a couple things we're stirring up. Um, we do want to expand the food bank for farm workers all across California. Uh, so then for whatever reason, whatever the farm workers might need, they know that the community is backing them up. And not just verbally, but like, you know, like physically, like, you know, if you need food, if you decide to go fight for your rights, you know, like we'll be here to back you up and make sure your kids do not go hungry. Um, yeah. And then another big thing, we're actually getting into tech. You know, tech has always been um, something of mine. I live in the Silicon Valley <laughs> and actually my job before um, <clears throat> before the nonprofit uh, during the pandemic, because I have an event company um, and it's been successful for the past five years. But pa- when the pandemic hit, you know, I had to transition over to something else um mm-hmm. and i started working for instagram facebook and and you know it's really opened my eyes to the whole world of tech and then i i fell in love with it and so right now we're actually working in um in getting our community into the the crypto blockchain um you know the nft metaverse space and um so we're actually working on an nft project and we're working on creating our own our own metaverse as you call it and mm. it's going to be not like any other it's not going to be your typical facebook metaverse it's going to be a com- like a world built by by the community for the community, where you go in there and you feel like you're go And this, this, the world is gonna have a university where all these kids can go and learn about crypto, NFTs, anything tech. And that's just the beginning, because when you have a university, it gives you the potential to have different collabs with different teachers, different professors, different studies. Right? Um, in this world, it's gonna be um, pre-Hispanic version of you know of this continent right? And so you're going to see these pyramids. And then when you go in there, it's going to be a museum. They're going to be kids are going to learn about history. And then um, you're also going to have, I uh, guess my event company is the one um, that helped, you know, uh, power this, uh, this possibility. Because mm-hmm. um, we, we got a, since we're an event company and we had to stop our events, you know, the government had to give us some grants um, to that event company. And we were able to, you know, kind of use all that funding to be able to build this world uh, for Celebration Nation. Um, so it's just you know, it's, that's something we're working on and you heard it here first. <laughs> and there's already work. Everything's already pretty much ready now. It's just about educating the community before we put it out there. Um, because that space with crypto and the blockchain, it's gonna, it's the future. And if we don't hop on board now, if we don't educate our communities now, it's something that we could easily fall behind on. And even if, you know, some people might not agree on it for whatever reason, it's gonna be the future regardless. And it's better that we're at least knowledgeable about what is going on than not understanding what it is completely, right? Um, So that's just, you know, what we're working on, that's actually our biggest focus this year, uh, because then that's next level. People from all over the world are able to, to, the youth all over the world is able to access our technology through, you know, the blockchains and our metaverse. from everywhere, even Mexico, mm-hmm. they put on their virtual reality glasses and they're able to learn like all these knowledge that we're able to give them. And in the mm-hmm. world, you see, you're gonna be able to see farm workers, you know, in their natural habitat and you're gonna see the reality. Uh, Cause a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of people haven't seen farm workers in real life. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. reason, unless you live in California, that's all you see across the coast. Right. Um, but that's just, I mean, definitely wanted to share that with you guys. Well,
0: oh, as in that's I'm so sorry, but I was just curious, I'm sure you faced a lot of, you know, challenges in regards to setting up your bank company, regards to setting up like the foundation, you know, I know as many supporters you've had, you have tons of supporters, you know, there's the critics out there, right? So I'm just curious as to how did you develop that thick skin or what is it that, you know, keeps you going so you don't pay attention to them? Or what do you say to, you know, people who are critical of, you know, what you're trying to create?
1: Hmm. So ah you know everyone i think has the right to be able to question anything that's going on but i think there's a difference between um being concerned and just completely trying to be a critic or trying to you know um be a hater a hater (laughs) (laughs) a hater let's just say it a hater (laughs) and you know what um you know we can't blame these people i mean they shouldn't act a certain you know a certain way but that's just how our community has that shows you how much our community has been oppressed. Where we literally feel like we're crabs in a bucket, right? Like you see someone succeed, and you're like, "Well, why not me?" And that's just—it shouldn't be like that. But that's how the system has made it for us, right? And that's why we're so divided. I think as like a brown community, um, but there's always room to change. And there's, you know, people—people people hate what they don't understand, too. You know, or people just—if um, certain things that people can't do, um, they tend to hate. Yeah, right. But I feel like everyone is capable of doing anything they set their mind to. Nobody is. Um, better than anybody else I think we all have you know if we all put our heart to something we could do it and I think if we all are there for each other and share knowledge you know share resources and like you know work together we can really get somewhere and elevate as a community but if we keep you know hating on each other it's not going to get us anywhere Um, we need to we need to be there for each other because we're all we got we already get enough hate through, you know, the racism that, you know, is put towards our community, towards our own quote, quote, presidents, right, that, you know, are supposed to be our world leaders, quote, quote. Um, we need to work w- amongst each other, because um, we're what we got. And um, I'm just here to, to be a service to my people and our community. And, um, you know, if anybody has any concerns, I'm always here to, you know, to figure it out together. And, you know, and yeah, I get it. You know, I'm not your, uh, I don't, I'm not, what an, I guess, organizer or activist looks like. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I don't fit in the box, but hey, you don't have to fit in the box. So that's one tip for everybody that's thinking of being an activist or organizer. Be yourself and do things your way. As long as you know you're doing the right thing, keep going. People are going to hate regardless, you know, because if it's not their way, it's the free way, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, you got to just keep going. Keep standing for what you believe in. Um, there will be critics at all times. If you're not doing... Good. If, you ain't pop, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. And that's bad. You know?
2: <laughs> that's very um, true.
1: Yeah. You, know, but you gotta go keep through and go past that. Because um, I definitely got it all backlash in the beginning. Because I wasn't, you know, I'm like I mentioned, I'm not your, I don't fit in the box of what an organizer looks like. And you don't have to, you know. Um, you can enjoy dancing. You can enjoy having, you know, fun with friends or whatever you like to do in your free time, you know. And that's another thing. I feel like not enough organizers, activists get enough, Um what do you call it? Like when, when they're allowed to be themselves, I think, you know, people forget that these are human beings. They don't have to be working 24 mm-hmm. seven, um, which they do anyway. But, you know, it's, I think, I, I think it's important that they know that I think they should have all the permission in the world to be themselves and still let the world know that they're, you know, who they are besides their, their organization and the organizer status, or even my immigration status, right? Like we're way more than, um, than, than just the work we do right we we have our own personalities our own our own our own pain points and um, I think as long as people know that you're allowed to be human and an activist organizer I think that'll open up um, the door to people that have considered you know being in that space and and standing up as a leader for their people just you know that you're allowed to be yourself that you don't have to fit in with the idea of what an activist looks like you know you can be um, any age, any size, any gender, any religion—you know—you're able to be yourself, and um, just don't let anybody else make you think otherwise. Uh, because I think that's always been something that has held people back from their potential of being leaders. I think they're scared of the criticism, and it's gonna come. I'm telling you now, but you can—you're gonna get through it, and you're gonna achieve what you want to. Because um, we all know that you know, the more leaders we have, especially in our brown community, uh, the more we're able to really create that change. And I just really, really, will, really, really hope that anybody listening to this that's been thinking about that just go for it because we need you your community needs you and you can no longer hold back um because w- there's no there's no going back you need to move forward and if there's not going to be any change without you you know finally taking that stand and really going for it your community needs you and I don't I could say that over and over again um until they come out because we're here waiting and I'm here to help for whatever anybody might need um because I know what it's like and I've been through it right and um yeah you know wow. even, so my existence is a resistance and so is yours and everybody um you know and any brown person in this in this in this continent in this nation um our existence is our resistance and then anything after that you know is just uh, next level revolutionary and um yeah <laughs> I'm like, wow coming.
2: you are doing so many good things and so we just need to keep saying like anybody needs to go out to celebration nation and that's your organization and that's um, anybody can help. And I think that that's, that's the first step is just really
1: finding you and how can people find you on social media? Uh, is so, it us? Yeah, my Instagram is flower at flower in Spanish. Um, and then the celebration nation's Instagram is at celebrationnation.org. Our website is celebration nation.org. And that's where you can find us too.
2: Excellent. I Fantastic. mean, what an
0: endless, honor. No holding back anymore because I no said so. Okay? I,
1: mean, yeah. <laughs> you, know, I had to, you know, I felt like I was, I had to, you know, go on about that because I can't put it into words. And in other words, I mean, cause then eventually if I don't do, if I don't say it in like the way I did right there, I don't know if you noticed, I was like fast paced and kind of nervous about it is because it's either that way or just completely kind of breaking down in front of you guys that like that we need you guys, you know, yeah. like, that we need. I need the support. I mean, obviously we need the support as a community. And um, uh, there's Just no other- as Latinas as a whole, like we were talking mm. about, like, we don't help yeah. each other
2: mm-hmm. and you hit it right on the nail. We don't, for some reason, it's like, um, you oh, know, other, other communities help each other more and we need to really build ourselves up more. So thank you so much for just like talking to us and telling us, I'm just like, wow.
0: I told, I told you, I was, I was telling floor. So I was, you know, so I know all about your life. I'm like, wait a minute. That sounded so super (laughs) (laughs) stalker-ish. But no, wait, I was telling Melena you were going to be floored. And I know we could, we could keep on talking forever, but, you know, thank you so much for your time. I hope everyone listening to this gets like so much out of this and, um, you know, runs to go volunteer, to give back, to connect with Celebration Nation. And, you know, until next time, our Latinas, you know, our Latinas, muchas gracias, thank you, seriously, to everybody, thank you, thank Thank you. you, bye, bye.